Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. Don Harris here. It's my privilege and uh, my honor to uh, read to you the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the idea is for the words of Christ to, to reinforce Christianity. Um, and you know, if you're going to put the words of Jesus back into Christianity, there's going to be a lot of props knocked out that we've had for many years. So you might as well get yourself prepared for that. There's some things that just don't fit here, and they need to just go by the way. Um, you know, I'm sorry, but um, you know, we do sort of a merciful God, and um, I think that we, we shouldn't forget that, especially when we get into, the, in, into what we do here and to what many people do, and that is that you know, they're seeking truth in their life and they realize, oh my goodness, I've been doing this wrong all this time. You know, I've been using this word wrong. I've been using this, this doctrine to justify something that it has no business justifying. I've been ignoring certain scriptures. I've been doing a lot of stuff wrong. And uh, then it occurs to you, oh my goodness, my grandpa did it this way. My grandpa thought this way. My grandpa didn't believe this. He didn't believe that. And he believed this, and we know that's not so. And right? Isn't that what happens? We start getting worried about, uh, you know, the, our heritage and our, our denomination and our favorite preacher. Uh, and uh, I understand that. But uh, let me tell you something that's wonderful about our God. Um, I, I happen to believe that many, many people, thousands, perhaps millions, I don't know. He's a merciful God. It could be millions. Um, I, there's going to be, let's just say, millions of people that are going to be saved in ignorance. You don't have to know everything to be a Christian. Uh, so what's important? What's really important here? that we don't rebel. That's all. Because as I, can, as I can say with everything that, every bit of understanding that I have to give you the assurance that there are going to be millions of people saved in ignorance, it's with that same amount of authority. It's with the same amount of uh, influence. But... Um, I don't think there's going to be not one rebellious person in the kingdom of God. Which makes what I do very, very dangerous. Dangerous for you. As long as you're ignorant, um, you've almost got a chance. I don't know how you're going to make it through your life as a Christian or as a, a joyful Christian without truth. I don't know how you're going to do that. You're not going to be free. Jesus says truth sets you free. So if you're not believing what's true and you don't know it, although you might be safe, you're still going to be sorry. So you know, when, I, when I show you something in the Scriptures, it's absolutely undeniable. I mean, hopefully you feel that way. I certainly do. But you know what it carries with it? Responsibility. Now you've got a responsibility to obey it. Um, that's a dangerous place to be because really what I'm doing is it's kind of moving you from ignorance 
to rebellion. There is a way to stop that. You move from ignorance, you move to truth, and then you move to obedience. Oh boy, then it starts to open up. Then you start to understand, oh, Jesus was really all about obedience, wasn't he? He expected us to do this stuff. <laughs> not just believe it, not just, you know, mouth it when we go to church, but he wanted us to believe these things. Well, we're going to talk about a lovely story today that uh, is one of my favorites in the scriptures. And it was the story about Jesus making uh, a man born blind uh, sighted again. This particular story ends in a very peculiar way. Uh, I've asked people, when you're in Sunday school, did you ever hear about Jesus making the blind see? Oh, yeah. You ever heard that in a sermon? Yeah. You ever heard that in a conversation? Well, sure. Is it in, in religious books? Is it in doctrine? Jesus making a blind man see? Yeah, it is. Do you know that Jesus said that that particular ministry, that particular action on his part, was inextricably coupled with another one that we never hear about? Really? <laughs> Usually people are walking away by then. I'm always amazed at people that don't say, tell me, tell me, tell me what you're talking about. <laughs> I've quit being amazed about that. But um, it's inextricably coupled with this. Jesus says, the Son of Man came to the earth to make the blind see and to make the seeing blind. Isn't that, isn't that odd? Just like I was telling you, millions saved in ignorance, not one saved in rebellion. Jesus says, you know, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. But you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. All right, we need to read this. Long story, so a little, little bit more reading than usual. Stay with me. Jesus walked along and he saw a man who had been blind from his birth. Jesus' disciples said to him, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, Jesus answered, Neither is this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the, ma of the man with that clay. And he said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is, by interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and those which had seen that he was blind, said, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. But he said, the blind man said, I am he. Therefore they said unto him, Well, how were your eyes opened? And he said, Well, man, it was called Jesus. He made clay and anointed my eyes. And then said to me, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And I went, and I washed, 
and I receive sight. Then they said unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They sought Pharisees uh, that, uh, that knew him, which was aforetime blind, and, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight, and he said unto them, He put clay on my eyes, I washed, and I do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that's a sinner do such miracles? And then there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that opened your eyes? He said, He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they asked the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. He's of age. Ask him, he'll speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already said that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, said his parents, he's of age, ask him. Then again they called the man that was, that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man's a sinner. He answered and said, Well, he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I do know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. And when they said to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them and said, I've told you already, and you didn't hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Would you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple. We are Moses' disciples. We know not that God we know that God spake unto Moses, but as for this man, we not know we don't know where he's coming from. The man said, Why here ends a marvelous thing. Do ye not know whence he is? And yet he's opened my eyes. We know God hears not sinners, but if any man be a worshipper of God and doeth his will, him he hears. Since the world began, it wasn't heard that anyone opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? 
And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which might, that see, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you'd have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. I know it's difficult to hear when I say something like that millions will be saved in ignorance and none will be saved in rebellion. I know it's difficult when I say that Jesus made to make the seeing blind. I know that the words of Jesus are difficult for you. I understand that. If you understand what's being said, you can't help but feel like that those words are, are extremely difficult. We have to look at these things. We have to open our minds to understand what Jesus is all about. He is all about saving people, friend, that want to be saved. Not just a nonchalant adding Christianity, adding religion to their life, but a true desire to serve God. They want to do the right thing. They want to believe. He goes to this man after all this horrible situation with these Pharisees and says, uh, do you believe on the... Oh, shoot, that's not so. Give me, give me camera two. Go ahead. Just let the clock run. After this situation... Uh, that he was discovered as to having his sight. And I, I, can, I can see this fellow walking off and uh, probably trying to find a quiet place. It's probably caused all kinds of a tumult there in the, in the town. Everybody's whispering, everybody's talking, everybody's pointing. And uh, I can see him sneaking off and finding a quiet place, quiet, finding a little place there by himself. And Jesus, the Bible says that when Jesus heard that the Pharisees had thrown him out, it says that he, he went to find him. And in this encounter, when he goes to find the Lord Jesus, uh, the question that he decided to ask him was not, uh, you know, so, how's the vision thing going? Or, hey, so you're the one that was uh, healed. Tell me about it. Isn't it odd that Jesus walked up to him? I, I see him coming behind him, you know, and kind of whispering to him while he's, while he's in his quiet state and saying, do you believe in the Son of God? It's, it's, it's a rhetorical question. It's a question that really doesn't, I mean, of course, you know, there's, there's an answer, yes or no, to it. But it's like he puts him back in the vein of, you know, this is not, 
you know, necessarily a physical thing or a temporal thing. But you need to understand that you've been visited by the Son of God. And so he's asking him, do you believe in the Son of God? Now listen to this. His answer to him was in this area that I'm, that I'm trying to tell you that our Lord God came to, vi to, to visit and to, and to empower and to save and to receive those who are wanting a relationship with him. Uh, there are so many people that, that are, are Christian by necessity. Why are you a Christian? Well, I won't go to hell. <laughs> well, that's, that's a wonderful reason, I guess. But no, no. Whatever happened to serving a, a wonderful God, to, you know, to serve him as our creator and as the one who watches over us and the one who loves us? What are you doing? Just appeasing a God like you would a, a, a volcano God by throwing your, your kids or your calves or, or money down in the hole? It really, is that, is that the God that we're serving here? Or are we indeed trying to find a personal relationship with God? There are people that have real trouble with the idea of a personal relationship with God. Uh, namely, those of the Jewish faith, they think that that's foolishness. And, you know, if I happen to believe that God was indeed a mountain, if I believe that he was, you know, incomprehensible by human beings, I guess I could understand why they feel that way. But you see, we also have to understand that they don't have any um, uh, cognizance of Jesus Christ, which was God's purpose in taking him from, from what he is, that invisible, uh, untouchable, all-powerful God who at the very vision of him would take our lives from the earth. For that God to in, incorporate himself into the body of a man, he's got something in his mind here. And it is relationship. It is to, to put these two beings together, God and man. This act alone should be the motivation on our part to want a relationship with him. Not just avoidance of hell. You don't even know if hell exists, friend. Nobody's ever come back from there and told us. Abraham wouldn't let the one that we know about. I mean, that, that rich man says, let me go back and tell my brethren about this horrible place. Well, nobody's ever been back. Abraham wouldn't let him go, by the way. You'd be surprised what Abraham told him. But um, he wouldn't let him go back, and nobody's ever been back. So you're afraid of a place that you're not even really sure that it exists? That's kind of odd. <laughs> and this is your motivation for being a Christian? You know, frankly, if God throws me into a, a, an eternally burning flame and consumes me to ashes, and, and I go up in smoke and never to be remembered again, <laughs> I still love him. I still want a relationship with him. I still appreciate the fact that he used a, a flicker of his power to put me on this earth and to put a spirit within me and a spark in my brain to even want to find him. I appreciate that. 
I love that about him. You know, I mean, even if there is no eternity, even if there is no, uh, you know, eternal reward or crowns or, you know, some uh, courtroom scene where we all come marching out of the courtroom happy because Don's been adjudicated as innocent or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what your fantasies are, but I just love the Lord. And, uh, you know, if i got to sing his praises in hell, that's what I'll do. But uh, I just love the Lord. I just wonder how many people are like that. I just, I wonder about it. I wonder how many have the attitude of this blind man who's so grateful and, and so appreciative of, of the, the power used on his behalf that the answer to the question, do you believe on the Son of God? Tell me who he is. Just tell me who he is. I'm with you. Yeah, I'd like to know. Who is he that I may believe on him? Isn't that, isn't that a, a beautiful attitude? I think it is. I, I, just, I just love that story because of this, of this man. And so what's Jesus say to him? Well, you know, I was in a denomination once that didn't believe that Jesus Christ was uh, divine. Uh, that didn't believe that he was that ever claimed to be Messiah. He never claimed to be the Son of God. You know these kind of things. I, I was I was right in the middle of a denomination that believed that Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. Uh, you know who says that, other than an idiot or a person who's never read the Bible? Who would say such a thing? Because he did clearly many cases. We just got finished talking about the. The woman at the well incident where he told him, I'm the Messiah. That's me. I'm here. I can answer your question. He's telling this guy. He says, do you believe in the Son of God? Well, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? It's me. <laughs> That's me. You see, I think that he was realized, you have to understand. You have to understand that this, you, this blind man has never seen Jesus. You read the story, it, it might not occur to you, but Jesus put the clay on his eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I kind of think Jesus snuck down there to watch. <laughs> but I don't know. But, you know, here comes this stumbling blind man. He had to have somebody lead him there. And so, you know, he's tapping along with his cane or or his dog or something is carrying there, or a friend or whatever. And uh, so he shows up at the pool of Siloam. He pulls his sandals off, ties his robe up around his waist, walks in a little while and starts splashing water in his face. What's well, the first thing he sees? He sees his own reflection in the water, more than likely. He sees himself. He's not seeing Jesus. But he sees himself. He sees the people sitting around at that pool. And man, all of a sudden he can see. Well, it causes quite a furor. And everybody wants to know him. Everybody wants to claim to be his friend. And everybody wants to pat him on the back. Big day. This is a huge day. It was a huge day in his life. It was a huge day in everybody's life. And I can just see Jesus sitting over there in one of the lounge chairs there around the pool. Just his shoulders just jumping because he's just giggling. I could just see it happening. 
So, you know, they're carrying him off and they're, you know, they're treating him to dinner and all kinds of stuff. And, and, uh, and so Jesus is just kind of lets him go because he knows what's going to happen. He hears them when they're walking by with the blind guy. Blind guy wouldn't recognize him because he's never seen him. But he hears them talking as, he's, as they're, they're walking and backslapping and glad-handing him and, you know, walking him through the crowds of people. He knows where they're going because he heard them talking as they walked by. Pharisees need to know about this. Church needs to know about this. We need to get some church officials in here. Find out what's happened. Has God touched this man? Let's find some religious folks. Let's run it by them. Let's see what they say. And Jesus is thinking, oh boy, poor kid. He's really in for some trouble now. And so he waited around until he heard the news. Yep. (laughs) Didn't give them the answers they're looking for. They only have one way of dealing with this. Throw him out. You know, the Bible says that they threw him out. And it's kind of like because he was sassing them a little bit. Um, I guess he kind of felt a little empowered. Herein is a marvelous thing. You don't know who this guy is, yet he healed, he, he opened the eyes of a boy that was born blind. That's a marvelous thing. And they got mad. He even, he even said to them once, you know, as, as we read a while ago, Wilt thou be his disciple? <laughs> well, he knew better than all this. He was just kind of provoking them. But let me tell you something. His parents, you know, when they backed away and said, you know, ask him, they didn't want to get thrown out of the temple. When the Bible says that they cast him out, sure, they cast him out of the court. They cast him out of their presence. The questions ended at that point. But you can bet your bippy. He wasn't a member of that Sanhedrin. He wasn't a member of that, uh, that uh, synagogue anymore. You can bet he was thrown out of everything religious because they were in charge of it all. This is why Jesus promised, if you're ever in my hand, you don't have to worry about these people. They, can't, they didn't put you in my hand. They can't take you out of my hand. As a matter of fact, when they're in my hand, they're in my Father's hand. Nobody's going to take them out of my Father's hand. This is why he said that. Because people felt like men had the power to cast them out of the synagogue, to cost them their eternal life. Jesus said, you don't have to worry about that. So he goes and he finds the guy and says, do you believe in the Son of God? Just point him out. (laughs) is exactly what he was, was, was saying to Jesus. Point him out to me. I'll show you who believes in the Son of God. It's me. It's a beautiful story. Our time is gone now, but uh, I hope you enjoyed the little excursion into first century Christianity. But um, if, if you're enjoying the show, I'd really love to hear from you. Why don't you write to me and give me your questions, your comments. Uh, you can do that by email very easily, don at thinkwriting.com. If you'd like to write to the ministry, be a part of what we're doing here. Get on our email list, these kind of things. All that can be done at thinkreading.com. Thanks for being a part of the show. Till next time, Think Red Ink. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email 
Don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.